Well, hello, everyone. It's so good to be together again. We're so glad you're here, and we would like to give an extra special welcome to those of you who are here for the first time. Today, I want to share something that I think will be incredibly practical for everyone in this season that we're in right now. I want, I want to start by looking at this diagram on the screen. So every single person in this room is somewhere on the diagram. Like they're way up in the top or they're going down or they're way down at the bottom and now they're going back up. And you notice that it's up and then it's down and then it's up and then it's down. Those are the highs and lows of your spiritual life. So I just wanna ask you a question right now. Where are you right now? Are you up high? Are you sort of descending downward or are you sort of ascending upward in terms of your passion and your fervency and excitement to live out uh, the life of a disciple of Jesus? So here's another way of looking at it, okay? So there's like the spiritual high where like you're fired up about your faith and below that there's like spiritual medium You know, you're somewhat excited about your faith and spiritual low. I used to get excited and where I was this morning, spiritual desolation. Like I want to punch happy people in the face. I went to shave this morning and I cut myself. Is this, this looks like I was in a fight with like uh, someone in the wilderness. It it looks terrible. Anyway, now what is asadia? And before I define it, in the fourth century, when Constantine became ruler Uh, of the Roman Empire, he allowed Christianity to become a, uh, what they called a religio ligata, a licensed religion. And he allowed essentially all the Christians to come out of the shadows, to come out of hiding. When that happened, there was this sense that the church went from like a spiritual high down to spiritual desolation because people were becoming Christians just because it was good for business or their friend did it or their parents did it or whatever. And lo and behold, literally just 15 years before that, people were dying for their faith. Now people are not doing anything. They're not sharing their resources with the poor. They're not sharing their faith. They're just going now to this building. And so what happened is that there was an exodus to the desert. People that were pursuing that spiritual high went to the desert, and we now call them, gosh, some 1,600 years later, we call them the desert mothers and the desert fathers. And these people, honestly, were quite weird. These were people that we have actual record of monks that went to the desert that ate no cooked food for seven years. Monks that exposed to their bodies for six months, they would sleep in a marsh and allow the mosquitoes to attack their body all over for six months. That would be hell to me. That would be the worst. Um, Monks proudly kept records of the last time they saw a woman so they could deal with their lust problem. Up to seven years with some mumps, mumps, monks purposely hiding away, right? So I'll keep that in there. Mumps, yes, I said mumps. So later on, there was a guy named Simeon the Stillite. Simeon the Stillite built this 60 feet high in the air column. And at the top of it, he put a three foot square um, um, uh, platform upon which he sat. And so he wouldn't fall off. He uh, tied a rope to himself tightly around his groin area and tied it 
to uh, the platform. Simon the Stillite, whenever, because the, the rope became putrid with his flesh, worms began, began to eat his flesh. And when a worm would fall off, this is a true story, he would put the worm back on his body and say, consume that which God has given you. Incredibly weird and gross. Probably the worst one ever was a monk in Albania, in the desert in Albania, that for three years straight, every single day, morning, noon, and night, his fellow brothers took their long fingernails and ran them on a chalkboard. And he had to listen to the screeching of a chalkboard for seven straight years. I'm completely making that up, but wouldn't that be the worst? That would have been the worst one of them all. These people were weird. They were a little odd, obviously. But what made these women and men grow to be people that people look to in the Christian faith is that they learned a lot about how to conquer urges that go against what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so these monks essentially then settled on seven primary deadly thoughts. Deadly thoughts that attack and that we have to deal with. And then they were changed to the deadly sins. And there was a monk named Evagrius Ponticus who said that the sin that was the worst was the sin of asadia. Asadia, the definition of asadia is spiritual apathy. It comes from two Greek words. Um, ah, which is, uh, in, we would call it in English, an alpha perivative, which essentially means no, and kados, which means to care. It means I don't care. I don't care at all. And it makes me think of that song by the Ramones. You know that, wrong, that, that song, I want to be sedated, 20, 24 hours to go. I want to be sedated, nothing to do, nowhere to go. Oh, I want to be sedated. Now, as you hear that, are you thinking what I think you're thinking? Like, you want to hear more of these golden pipes? You know why you don't hear me on the band? It's because of Eric Sumter, our worship pastor. He obviously is jealous. And so if you want to hear more of, from this guy right here, and you're like, man, this guy's so incredibly talented, he should be cutting record deals, I need you to tell Eric Sumter. Okay, so, but the, the Ramones were a punk band. They were really the first punk band and they, a lot of people think that they were four brothers. They, weren't, they were just completely unrelated. Paul McCartney, whenever he would check into a motel, it was his practice. He would check in under the pseudonym uh, Paul Ramon. And so when they started the band, they took the last name, the Ramones, and everybody made up their first name. And for 22 straight years, this band performed, I believe it was an, an unheard of amount of times, like more than 2,300 concerts that they did, they would literally tour 30, 360 days a year. Anyway, so their manager gave them a break. They were, they were an American band. They landed in London and they went to a London hotel. While they were there, they just had just such a sense of apathy that all they did while they were in London for a few days is that they stayed in the hotel room and watched American movies. That's Asadia. The reason I want to talk about Asadia today 
is, you know what? Am I the only one who's over COVID? Like, I'm done, man. I got about another month left. And if I don't go on vacation or something, I'm going to go nuts. And this, this, this overall sense that when I talk to people of a, of a listlessness, of a, of a lack of, or a lack of really being passionate about something, I think is something that we need to talk about. So there are four characteristics of asadia. I want to go through them real fast, and then I want to talk about how to deal with it, okay? The first is weariness. When one is struggling with asadia, you feel tired physically and emotionally. Is that how you feel right now? Like, is, is there, you, like you can't put your finger on it? John Cassian, who was a monk in the desert, um, collected these sayings of the desert fathers. And John Cassian said, our sixth battle was what the Greeks call asadia, which we may term weariness or distress of heart. This is akin to dejection. It is especially disturbing to a monk about the sixth hour, which means at noontime. Like some fever which seizes him at stated times, bringing the burning heat of its attacks on the sick man at, on, at usual and regular hours. Lastly, there are some of the elders who declare that this is the noonday demon spoken of in the 90th Psalm. Uh, and the example of this in the gospel would, would, Gospels would be John the Baptist when he was thrown in prison. And he sent his followers to ask the disciples of Jesus, are you the one or should we expect another? Like, you're John the Baptist. You should be spiritual high all the time, but yet you're down here in spiritual desolation. The second characteristic is no passion. One of my favorite writers is Kathleen Norris. Kathleen Norris is just this great spiritual writer. She lost her mom and then eventually lost her husband. And while she was living in North Dakota, she wrote a book and she just felt like the aridness of the land and of the... um, economy at the time really reflected where she was spiritually. And she wrote a book called Asadia and Me. And in that book, she said, Asadia is like morphine. You know the pain is there, yet can't rouse yourself to give a damn. Asadia means just the passion is gone. Think about that right now. Like your passion for what is boiling hot? Like, what is it that you are really excited about now spiritually, or is it gone? Third thing is boredom. When you are experiencing a sadia, you're just bored. You're looking for something new. John Cassian writes, it also makes the man lazy and sluggish about all manner of work, which has to be done within the enclosure of his dormitory. Basically, they lived in caves or different places. It does not suffer him to stay in his cell or to take any pains about reading. And he often groans because he can do no good while he stays there. Man, does that describe what we're going through or what? Now, finally, the last sign of going through asadia is a contempt for spiritual community. And a lot of you probably are feeling this right now. You're like, I don't even want to watch this online. If we can't be together, man, I'd just rather go to Valley Forge or whatever close park you're nearby. But whenever you experience asadia, there's a, this contempt. Like, I don't want to do this again. There's this attitude, this like flippant sort of thing. 
John Cassian wrote, when this has taken possession of some, some unhappy soul, it produces dislike of the place, disgust with the cell where they're living, and disdain and contempt of the brethren who dwell with him at a little distance as if they were careless or unspiritual. In other words, what John Cassian is saying is that when you are experiencing asadia, everyone, everyone around you, you just don't want to be with. You don't want to do church. You don't want to do any spiritual things. And more, than, more importantly, what John Cassian says is you're looking down on them like, uh, okay, I'm going to treat church sort of like I would Netflix. Let's go over to this church. Let's watch this church. Let's watch that communicator. Let's watch this preacher. If you're experiencing that, that's Asadia. St. Benedict was a uh, famous monk that established a community of, of uh, brothers. And the, he encouraged them to take four vows. There were normally three vows that monk, monks would take. He added a fourth. The first three are poverty, chastity, and obedience. And what St. Benedict added was a fourth one, which was stability. Poverty, chastity, obedience, and then stability. Why? Because monks would leave a monastery and go to another place. Like, that's going to be better. We're going to church hop from this place to this place to this place to this place, from this channel, this streaming place, this preacher, this church, That is a pure sign of asadia, that grass is greener on the other side. And so the point is this. Sometimes we're at a spiritual high. We're on fire. We are passionate. We are excited about our faith. We're like Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal was a uh, philosopher, a mathematician. When he died, uh, Blaise Pascal was the guy that was responsible for Pascal's wager. Pascal's wager simply was, hey, you know what? If you become a Christian and you die and there is no God, you've lost nothing. But if you become a Christian and you die and there wasn't a God, you haven't lost anything either. But because you become a more moral person, a more centered, a more happy, a more gregarious and helping person. So what, what's, what's the problem? What's there to lose? But if you don't become a Christian and there is a God at the end, then you've lost big time. So that's, that's where that Pascal's wager comes from. Pascal, when he died, um, he was a guy that would write things on little pieces of paper. They basically designed sticky notes for Blaise Pascal. Well, in his coat, was sewn into his pocket over his heart, they discovered after his death, after they were going through his things, this piece of paper, and here's what it said. In the year of grace, 1654, on Monday, 23rd of November, Feast of St. Clement, Pope and Martyr, and of others in the martyrology, vigil of St. Chrysogemus, Martyr and others, from about half past 10 in the evening until about half past 12, from 10.30 to 12, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and scholars, certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. For an hour and a half, he said, I felt fire. 
That's a spiritual high. Maybe you felt that way. You've served in our children's ministry. You've served in our student ministry. You've been a part of a group and you're having this discussion. You have been to Casas Per Cristo. You've been to Guatemala. You've been to Haiti. You've been to Africa. Like all these different trips, all these different experiences where you can grow. And you know what it is to feel alive and to feel fire. Sometimes you're really close, but sometimes you feel distant. And I just want you to say that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with a person. And all relationships go through periods where it's fire and periods where it's desert. And one more thing. Let me just pause here before we go to the solution. What do we do? Asadia is not depression. Depression is psychological and physiological. Depression is not a sin. Asadia is a sin because you have a choice to fight it and to win. So asadia is weariness and boredom, no passion, no desire to be around other Christians. So how do we fight it? Let me tell you what scripture tells us. Number one, put on your gloves. You have to go to war. One monk said, there is grief that is useful and there is grief that comes from the enemy, full of mockery, which some call asadia. This spirit must be cast out, mainly through prayer. When you are feeling asadia, you have to act. In other words, you have to attack it. Paul says in Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal. Never Allow yourself to go from zeal and joy and excitement up here and go all the way down. Once you feel yourself going down, you need to do something about it. Monks call it the noonday demon. They personalized it. They wanted an enemy that they could face. Second, realize that a spiritual problem requires a spiritual solution. You will not medicate yourself out of asadia. Let me say that again. You will not medicate yourself out of asadia. You can medicate yourself out of depression. You cannot medicate yourself out of asadia. You have to have a spiritual solution. So Psalm 40 verse one says this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. But the tough part of that whole verse is I waited patiently. One of the hardest things to do in Asadia is to begin to do the things that bring passion again, but then passion doesn't happen. So you have to begin to do those things again without the feeling. Okay. I remember, um, (laughs) growing up in Ohio as a kid, I went fishing in a, in a, um, town called Mount Vernon. There was uh, a river called the Cocosine River, and I would go smallmouth bass fishing there. And I noticed when I was fishing one day that there was a big farm pond off in the distance, and I parked the car, and I got all of my stuff, and I noticed that there was the pond, and there was a dry path going across what appeared to be a dry lake bed. And I thought to myself, I can go through all the thicket and the thorns this way, or I can go and walk across the dry uh, lake bed. And so I did that and got about halfway out. And all of the sudden, I dropped down in the mud like it was quicksand. And I literally went up to here. 
the only thing that was helping me is my fishing poles were in my hand going this way, holding me up and my tackle box. I know what it's like to feel, to feel like you're in a slimy pit. I know some of you are in a marital situation right now. You're in a situation with your kids. You're in a situation with work. And this whole COVID thing has basically exacerbated the issue. And you feel like you're in the slimy pit that you can't crawl out of. That's a sadia. And so you need to pay attention to these next two things. The third thing I want to encourage you to do if you're feeling a sadia is do the dishes and yard work and fix the sink. In um, Zen Buddhism, there's this saying, after ecstasy, the laundry. In other words, after you feel really close to God, the next thing that you need to do is some form of physical labor. You have to get out of your head. When you feel like you're in the slimy pit, that's not the time to panic. That's the time to do something opposite of your head. It's the time to go do something physical. The Apostle Paul started this church in the Greek town of Thessalonica. We call it Thessalonica today. He started this church there, and a lot of people started praying a lot. They would be like, hey, if I pray for 30 minutes, what would happen if I pray for a whole day? What would happen if I just like quit my job and I started praying and just waited till Jesus came back? And the apostle Paul heard of this and he was like, listen, that is stupid. Stop that. Yes, you need to pray, but something that is built into us as disciples of Jesus is that we pray and then we need to go do something physical. He said, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus to settle down, get to work, and earn the food they eat. Do something physical. So what could be that physical thing for you when you're feeling asadia? This routine that you get in, obviously exercise is important, but is there something that you can do with your hands that will occupy your mind and get you out of your head. Finally, the last thing I want to say that will help all of us to work through a sadia when we feel it is to find your place to serve others in the church. Like we're reopening September 6th, if not before. And so I just want to say like, what gifts are you going to give as a steward to Jesus and say, hey, listen, I really want to do this. I really want to serve in this area. I want to make an impact this way. Asadia says, don't worry about making an impact. Just do whatever you want to do and get lost in your head. Jesus is saying, get out of your head and use those gifts to impact the lives of others. Um, One of my favorite stories is there's a poet poet named David White. And he has a friend who is a Benedictine monk named uh, Brother Stendhal Rouse. And David White was having a conversation and dinner with uh, Brother Rouse. And David White, the poet, leaned over and he said, Brother Rouse, I'm, I'm exhausted. Speak to me about exhaustion. And Brother Stendhal Rice said to David White, he said, you know, the antidote to exhaustion is not necessarily rest. The antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness. The reason you're so exhausted is that much of what you're doing, you have no affection for. You're doing it because you have an abstract idea that this is what you should be doing in order to be liked. 
And so what is that thing that brings you wholeheartedness, that makes you come alive? Not in the sense, wow, I'm super happy, but maybe the thing that makes you come alive is the thing that's difficult, the thing that scares you, the thing that's going to require something of you, a price to be paid. What new thing is God calling you to do in this season? Use this time, reject Asadia, and become someone who is fully wholehearted about serving Jesus as his disciple. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the grace that you give us that when we get down into a slimy pit, you don't leave us there. As we wait patiently for you, And we begin to get out of our heads and begin to do things that make us full and excited and passionate and wholehearted. That God, you need, you, you begin to relight that candle in our lives. So God, all of us, wherever we are right now, in the greater Philadelphia area, all the way over to the West Coast, different countries around the world where people are now connecting with our community, our missionaries in India, in Kenya, in Haiti, in Panama that are with us. God, thank you so much for what you're doing through all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.